0: Group is one of the largest, if not the largest car dealership group in the south of England. It originated as a bicycle business in 1859 and now has dealerships as far west as Devon, spreading across into Dorset, Wiltshire, Hampshire and West Sussex, and further east into East Sussex, Surrey and Kent. The one billion pound turnover organisation has been family owned for over 160 years. In this episode, we hear from Paul and Will Hendy, father and son who both work in the business both at very different stages of their careers and in very different positions. Learn how this family organisation functions and the family's role within it. So um, firstly, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us how you each came to be involved in the business?
1: Uh, Paul Hendy, I'm the Chief Executive and I came to be involved in the business because my father was in the business. He's the fourth generation, or was, I'm the fifth generation. So I went to school, college, and then joined the business from there 32 short years ago.
0: Great stuff. And Will?
2: Uh, So I joined five years ago in 2016, uh, straight after A-level. I didn't fancy university. Spent two or three years in the marketing department, a year abroad, and now I'm a general manager in Salisbury.
3: So you're in that sort of journey now, it's five years, you're probably starting mm-hmm. to get your feet under the table a little bit more, but you're learning how to be father and son and boss and, and workforce in, in one go. You know, how is that evolving? How does that feel? Um,
2: it's good. We don't have too much of a, a, a direct relationship at work. I think there's quite a few tiers of management in the way. However, we do have our occasional quarterly meetings it might be which sounds I don't know it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic so I was listening to some of the other podcasts and it was a very close relationship mm. and ours is I don't know whether it's deliberate or not is quite far apart so we tend to not have too much of the family
1: interaction at work.
3: Mm. And that's that's probably quite a healthy thing mm. and do you think that that was strategy from your management team?
1: Uh, uh, absolutely yeah when I joined the business as I say 30 odd years ago We were a smaller company and I probably had more interaction at the time with my father and my uncle, as was then. Not in a bad way, but as the business has grown and whilst we don't have, you know, layers and layers of management, there there clearly is a structure in place and I quite deliberately observe that structure, particularly when it is for, for Will's benefit, for him to be his own man, person, and cut his own niche and achieve things on his own uh, with his own peer group and so on and so forth. Clearly, I'm taking a, an interest in it, but it isn't for me to be directly managing Will at the moment. And I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing from a father and son point of yes, view. Yes, yeah. Um, but probably more importantly, from his own personal point of view, as he cuts his own professional career without dad sat in the corner, quite yeah. frankly yeah um, and he'd probably prefer it that way anyway but.
3: yeah it's interesting because um we're, we're in a similar pathway although i'm i'm not fifth generation we're literally this is the first sort of uh family i, I never built the business in thinking for a minute that that it would be become a, a mm. family business but it's it's lovely that it's evolved that way but you know initially when layla joined again very similar to you will she straight from sick form mm. hadn't wanted to go to university and uh I'm sure she'll talk about her own journey in, in 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 the process but it's um there was a line management process in between at the time which I think yeah, and there when still
0: she, is. yes you don't do my one-to-ones God no,
3: no. <laughs> no no that <laughs> no, would probably be no. a disaster yeah oh yeah
0: <laughs> but when you joined the business Will, how did you feel obviously even if you weren't going in and seeing your dad every day you know did you feel any pressures carrying the family name what you yeah, know definitely. tell us about that uh, first day how did it feel going in
2: well, my actual first day was a uh, golf day in 2016. So I thought <laughs> nice. I thought this is going to be a really nice start, um, <laughs> gentle ease into the business. Except they had me out on a golf course at six in the morning, putting signs up, and then oh, right, I thought the you were just out playing golf. No, I, yeah. I was never got to. But yeah, it was. I was. It was quite nervous when I started, um, and it that took a few years probably because although I didn't see a lot of my dad and other family members in the business, you're still a handy, mm. and yeah, that took a while to sort of become used to so I feel I feel comfortable with it now and it's just part of the job and it is what it
1: is but yeah it took a long time
4: Mm.
1: I think you'd been in Mm. you'd been in the business anyway as it with Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. might have come around the businesses on a Saturday morning Mm -hmm. um, back in the day when I was doing a different job and we might have had a sale on so I'd go in and and Will would join me on occasion so it wasn't as if he was completely unfamiliar Mm -hmm. to him or he didn't know people but the great thing was they just to be fair, treated you just like anybody else mm. and gave you all the worst jobs to start with. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> quite right too. So. Uh,
3: yes, it doesn't give you an automatic right no. to sort of step no. up and, no, and uh, all the donkey work has to be done absolutely. and that's how you learn. Mm, yes, yeah, so I believe that's really that's really right.
0: I felt the same when you join. You don't want to be seen to be having a leg up no. and and you by not doing that and by starting right at the bottom doing you know, that everything that anyone at your level with your experience would do, you know, building the respect of your colleagues is so important. Yeah, and that's what I really wanted to make sure I did so that as my role has evolved, that the foundations are really solid and that they're my friends and they're my colleagues before anything else. And as, mm. as my role evolves, they stay like that and they don't see me become anything else. No,
3: absolutely.
2: Yeah. I remember you saying, ages ago and it was, quite, it was quite a matter of fact and it was like if you're not good enough you won't get anywhere with it mm. and it sounds kind of harsh but mm.
1: the point was do it on your own merit. Mm. Yes. You get given the opportunity it's what you do with it because mm. yes. we can provide the opportunity.
3: So going back to Will growing up obviously watching you running the business and you know, where was the business because the business has evolved really mm-hmm. quite significantly you've been yeah. really proactive with your acquisition. How has the, since Will has shown an interest in the business or grown up watching it, what's the scale change in Hendy? Because, you know, I think it's interesting for, for everyone to understand the scale of Hendy as was and is now and, and where you took it from yeah. when you took over in your generation.
1: So I, I, I took over as MD July the 12th, 2002.
3: That's very specific.
1: It's not that that date day. is etched in my no, mind. No, obviously um, not. Yeah, so that's nearly 20 years ago, which it's, I was obviously quite a young man at that time, Liz, was yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was nearly 20 years ago, and uh, we, at that time, oof, probably had, I'm going to say, 12, maybe 15 dealerships turning over, in round numbers, about 150 million. I'm casting my mind back. It's a long time ago. Uh, this year, we will turn over... Uh, a billion, uh, we've got uh, 65 dealerships now all along the south coast from Eastbourne to Exeter and we currently represent uh, 25 brands, franchises in car, commercial vehicle and, and a marine and engine business that we've got. So I don't tend to dwell and reflect terribly often because one doesn't get the time to do that and we're, we're still in, in a growth phase uh, as and when appropriate but as you say that and you reflect on it we've grown quite a bit in the last 20 years and in the last 5 years we've probably we've done two big acquisitions along the way as well as some other other acquisitions too and and now we're the largest uh, or will be one of the largest if not the largest private employer on the south coast so there's a few pride points there definitely and you know i'm in no mood to retire just yet <laughs> but clearly part of the process is to make sure that 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 transition, if you like, from my generation now, uh, generation five to generation six, is something that communication is crucial. Yeah. To keep talking, to try and help make and shape as many decisions as one can, while generation five is still above ground, Mm. because it's a lot easier. Yeah. And sometimes in that communication and in Will's generation, in generation six, there are
2: four of you. Yeah, four of us.
1: So it's really... Important that they keep a good dynamic. All four are in the business currently.
3: I was going to ask, you know, who is it just you or do yeah, you so have siblings? My,
2: my younger sister Ellie, who's in our customer experience team as of she joined that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, Prior gosh. to that, she was in a Jaguar Land Rover dealership. Okay. My younger brother Ben, who works in our Hendy Performance Center in Eastleigh, uh, and my cousin Chloe, who's in our HR department. Amazing. Mm.
1: Hmm. So, so what we try and do is, is, is consciously think about it, not just let it happen. Yeah. Do you know what mm, I mean? Yes. Because yes. as best you can yes, without stifling their particular interests. In fact, you want to do the opposite. If, if you're interested in a particular part of the business, go and do that and enjoy it. Yes, But if you want to get on and get through the business and, and hopefully one day, I'm sure, uh, take it over and run it and so on and so forth, you've got to get as much experience in as many bits of the business, in my opinion, as you possibly can, so you have got to learn the trade, and then along the way with experience, you learn business. There's two subtle differences there, mm. so it's really important, I think, that they they understand our trade and all the nuances and subtleties of a of our day job. But then you've got a big business to run, absolutely, with mm. a lot of people and and all of that other stuff. So there's, you know, it's it's quite uh, hopefully exciting for them, and mm, very, it has been for me. It's great to see him.
3: Yes. I, I mean, it must be involved. really, you, you've, you've clearly worked incredibly hard. I, you know, I think this is like being a baton holder, isn't it? It's yeah. like you're the guardian of this business that has been created a long time before you were here. Yeah. Yeah. And yet you're, you're the sort of current guardian to get it in the best shape possible mm. for you to hand it over but the fact that the motivation has been there to acquire and grow so significantly. And and is this the biggest growth period the business has had since it was
1: established? Probably in business terms, in turnover terms, yes. I think it probably is, it would be. But, you know, along the way there have been milestones in the company's history that, you know, 1859 when Frederick Adolfo set the company up, that was a pretty significant moment. Mm. Um, In those days we used to sell... Push bikes
4: ah, and okay. clothing.
1: You bought your push bike, you bought a certain clothing that went with it. Right. Apparel. So so for him to say in eighteen ninety
2: eight
1: ninety eight, you know, we're gonna go and go into the motor car business. There were ten I think there were twelve motor cars in the country at the time. So <laughs> that was yeah. probably very um, visionary. A massive decision and the yes. company's been going thirty or forty years. Wow. Mm, you you can about,
0: imagine that discussion.
1: Yeah. So and then in 1910, Henry Ford was in the, in England, landing in Southampton on his way to Manchester, uh, to the Old Trafford Centre where they were building the Model T. Met my great great grandfather Percy, uh, and th- and we became the first Ford dealer in Britain. Wow! Now again, you look back on that; that's a massive decision. Huge. So all of these yeah. all of these things along the way. Yes. Uh, the Second World War, we were shut for five or six years repairing Spitfire aircraft. In the workshops, that was our bit for the effort. So, it, and there, I think there are lots of things in each generation, probably, that have shaped us. And I'm sure we'll talk about COVID and that impact because that's mm. been a seminal, mm. yes, business moment, hasn't it, Definitely. for everybody? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we we've consciously grown the business. There's a big consolidation going on on in our industry, without getting mm. too specific. Mm. And we've decided we want to be a part of that. Mm. And to do that, we've had to get on and and get through doing some of these deals. So.
3: It's a really fascinating background that that business has evolved from. And you know, what do you think is the typical DNA that's followed through all of those generations? I mean, is it ballsy decision making, risk taking? There must be some trait that defines the Handy business acumen, do you think? Have you have you there's
1: there's a word entrepreneur that's it? used far too often, and I don't really know if that encapsulates things. But I think we're We're clearly not risk-averse, we're -hmm. risk-aware, but we are not reckless. Mm. So I'm really prepared to make decisions and have a go, but we will understand, we will model that, we will talk about it Mm. for a period of time because one of our great USPs is that for a business of this size, we are incredibly nimble in terms of our Mm decision-making. You know, there's a board of directors, but if we want to do something, we get on and do it and um, we we don't have to go to the city. We don't have to yes. go and, mm. yes. you know, agonise over these things. And, and,
3: actually and then that the is opportunity the joy of family business, isn't it? As and long get, as the decision-making and the, uh, the the forum is there to make yeah. those decisions, you can be really quite agile, can't you?
4: And, and
1: and crucial and key to it, and I've said this to Will and all the kids, is is to make sure that the people that you get around you yeah. are better than you. Mm. Yes. We set a fairly low bar on that. It's not difficult, <laughs> is it? But... <laughs> But we've got fantastic financial controls. Yes. You know, we've got really strong operational disciplines. So, so corporate governance is hugely important to us. This is a massive business, mm. 1,600 colleagues. Mm. So mm. we absolutely make sure that the business is, is run as a business, really strong values mm. and, and culture, and I believe that we help set the tone on that. We have a bit of fun along the way, but we can make decisions as swiftly as I think anybody and then, if we if we set our sights on an acquisition or a target, then it's my job to go and go get it.
3: And do you have these conversations around the, the dinner table at home, or do you shut the door and that's it?
2: Now and again, not not all the time, because it's I think it's quite important to have that separate mm. work and home environment as well as a relationship for us. Mm now and again we definitely do and it, I always find it fascinating because I'm not obviously not involved at that higher level mm. in all the strategic decision making so for me I find that sort of really important to understand what's going on but also from a learning point of view yes just yes. to understand how they do it and from mm. how the business runs at
1: that level
0: and with your siblings involved as well I can imagine the dinner table discussions could be quite <laughs> feisty <laughs> uh, I,
1: I think if if I'm into a big acquisition then it I'll obviously share with them not necessarily early on the target potentially or, but because it takes up an awful lot of my time mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that could be weekends because that's the only time that I could go and look at a dealership without being noticed or meet the the other owner or what have you. A lot of this stuff has to be done quite rightly a little bit under the radar, certainly early on in conversations because you don't – upset people or do anything like that so and I can become shall we say a little distracted with it but the great thing from, the, from my point of view with the kids is if I say to them you know uh, if I do share things that are confidential uh, absolutely it stays that way and and that's and I you know absolute credit to them but the other reason I don't like to share things too early is because you know you don't want to burden them with the pressure of knowing things yeah. People assume they know everything and it's mm, otherwise it's just unfair. Yes. When people are trying to interact with yes. them, you know.
3: Mm. I think that's really interesting because you you're obviously organically thinking about the family dynamic, relationship, the pressure of the family maybe not being as present as perhaps you'd like to be because you're very focused on a specific goal but also sharing what you can that gives them a taster of what you're going through without loading them down with all yeah. the, the detail, which actually is, it, it can be incredibly stressful and I'm yeah. sure you've lived through it several yeah. times. Yeah. Acquisition is um, you a know, really, really lumpy piece of work yeah. and comes with its dramas and you know ups and downs and, and I, I guess you're absolutely right in just bringing them in gently to that yeah. rather than throwing them in the deep end is, is the kind and right and, and good paternal way of, of going about it. Which is interesting. And
0: that's like the, you know, a very specific niche of family businesses where you're not only considering how do I tell my colleagues about this sensitive piece of information, but what's the impact as a dad mm. on the kids mm. of this? And I think, you know, it's non-family businesses and non-family business owners probably don't think about it quite that way or mm. put, consider when looking at a family business, all those subtleties that sit
3: behind it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting scenario do
0: you remember will the moment did you have a moment growing up that you thought actually i'd be quite interested in getting involved in the business or was it did you always think going into the family business or something to do with cars was your passion or you know was there anything else on your mind growing up
2: uh i probably grew up my whole life going i don't know what i want to do and i don't think my brother and sister have been any different either i was never pushed into the family business i think if i was i would have been i would have done the complete opposite it would have been like when you're told not to do something, mm-hmm. you'll go and do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think after I would finished my A-levels and the opportunity was there and I, know I, didn't, I knew I didn't want, to, didn't want to go to university, I thought, well, I'll give it a go and see what it's like and I've really enjoyed it ever since. So,
1: mm. Mm. And we were quite careful and thoughtful about what, what you did early on mm. so that it would be something that I knew he would take to or enjoy and mm. who, who was looking after you from, mm. from a management point mm. of view and which team you joined was we gave a bit of thought to so that you weren't just put anywhere without without sort of prior thought or knowledge. The reason Will was not pushed was, was again, a conscious, absolutely conscious mm. decision was because I wasn't. My father deliberately didn't push me. This is a tough business. Mm. It's long hours. It's hard work. You've got to want to do it. If you don't want to do it, then that's absolutely fine as well. That was always the rules. Mm. You've got to do what you want to do. Mm. We spend more time at work than we do at home. Yeah. And if we can't enjoy it, love it, actually, mm-hmm. and it become our hobby and passion, they can be long days. So as long as you're enjoying it, then fantastic. And, you'll, you know, we've got a great business, lots of variety, mm-hmm. lots of different franchises, lots of different locations.
4: Um,
2: yeah, the variety is important for me because I think I can't do one thing over and over again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I find that incredibly boring and I like change. And I think within the roles that I've previously had and what I'm doing now, it's always different. There's never anything the same.
0: And the scope as well. You mm. know, I know from my perspective, I'm a bit the same in the fact that I really thrive off a challenge and I become an absolute nightmare to everyone if I'm not challenged, <laughs> mm. which I'm
4: sure yes, mom will <laughs> agree with. Um,
3: so, Halfway through school holidays in the summer. Oh, my God. I'd know when I'd get into the third week of August because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she needed to be back in the classroom. So, the,
0: you know, the <laughs> idea of the fact that within my role that will evolve, you know, in years to come. I will always be challenged, you know, that you couldn't write a more dream job spec for myself if I tried, you know. And I think it is that constant challenge, constant evolution and the opportunity that if I ever did feel like I was standing still, you know, I could be in the position to say, let's look at something new. Let's try a new direction. And I think that that is hugely motivating. Mm. You must be
3: hugely relieved, Paul, that you got this succession plan that Kind of looks like it's working out. I mean, after five generations, there is that pressure of what Mm. next beyond me. And if if none of your children had genuinely shown an interest and were wanting to find their own careers, and which obviously you would have supported, where where would you have gone? I mean, would it have remained within the management team? And who who knows?
1: I can't I can't answer that because that's not where we're at. Mm. I mean, there's obviously a little bit of you that that hopes Mm. somebody would like to come through. But being really clear with yourself, and my wife would be really clear with me. We're not pushing them into this. Mm. They have to want to do it. Yeah. And that passion or that drive, the the willingness to start at the bottom, is seen by all the other colleagues in the company. And, and, and they're and that's not threatened
3: stressed, by it at all. They, they see it as a build natural your progression. Mm. the
1: respect you build now. Yeah. You know, at Will's age. And he's going to make mistakes, we all have, you know, and it's how you handle those mistakes, it's how you get on, it's how you dust yourself down, it's how you, you, you know, you're in early, you go home late, you work hard. That's what they want to see, yeah. isn't it? Yes. And as I say, you're never going to be the best whatever, but you just need to know and have an understanding of it and make sure that you can bring those colleagues along with you throughout your career and treat them with respect. Mm. And we get the very best out of them then. And and hopefully they get the best out of us, you know. And it's mm. that's how it's meant to be.
3: I mean, I think compared to so many multi-generation businesses that I've I've worked with over the years, who don't have that succession plan, and they'd equally hoped that it would organically happen, and it hasn't. It's incredibly stressful because yep. you 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 got the responsibility of many 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 generations of work to get the business to where it is and it's kind of now what and that that can be a really difficult thing to overcome so you know I think it's great that you you've still got fire in your belly to acquire and grow and and your your children are watching that not children young people young professionals you know watching you do that every day and I think there is a huge amount of learning that probably Will is taking without even knowing it's going in that you just sort of soak it in like a sponge so it's exciting times and I'm really excited to see your journey well moving forward because dad's obviously uh really been hungry to to build this business to a billion turnover which must feel a huge achievement you know, he's setting the bar pretty high. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you've probably learnt things. That I re- I'm i realising now I've learnt things over the years just before I was even able to think about a career. You know, it's overhearing the conversations in the car, you know, this, the stuff that's being talked about briefly, you know, whilst I'm sat in the kitchen, whilst dinner's being made. It's those things that you bring to your job uh, in a family business that... As you move forward, you start to realise, oh, for some reason, I just, I just understand mm, yeah. this. And it's yeah. because you've just been like a fly on the wall, you know, mm-hmm. being a fly on the wall for the, you know, leader of a business is a massive dream for loads of people. And actually, we've been able to do that by being in a fortunate position of being born as these children, I mm-hmm. guess.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Do you think it's in the blood? Will, perhaps you're probably easier to, do you feel that it's been around you and part of you all well, your life so It's definitely been a
2: part of me my whole life. I mean, since I was born it was the family business but I think like I said earlier I never knew that I wanted to go into it but once I did if, if you feel very proud that you are and the fact that you're the mm. sixth generation and the 160 odd years prior to it you feel quite proud to carry that on mm. so in that sense yeah you could kind of say it's within your blood but from the point of view that I know I, d- I never knew from the outset that I wanted to
3: And and at the moment, all the you've obviously tried different aspects of the business Mm -hmm. over the last few years. Where do you feel that your most natural place fits within the business, or what sort of angle of the business do you enjoy most?
2: So I I started originally heavily focused on marketing, um, and that gave me a really good look across multiple departments Mm -hmm. and multiple brands because you're not focused in one sales department. You're looking after. I think Honda was my first one, and then a used car stores. But I kind of wanted to get more operationally involved, and that's what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. uh, being a general manager of four dealerships in Salisbury. So that's where I really, I've really enjoyed it the most within the past year. And that's been my favorite aspect of it. Yeah. Being I mean, I really think hands-on, marketing's yeah. a
3: great place to start oh, yeah. because you learn about the the values of the mm-hmm. brand. You know what's what's important underpinning all of the different aspects of the business. So yeah, I can see how you mm-hmm. enjoyed that, and now you've been able to take that into more operational Mm -hmm. activities so yeah it's exciting journey. Very
2: very exciting Mm -hmm. although I think I've been there for nine ten months now and the whole time has been spent in COVID which has been quite interesting.
0: (laughs) We all know just how much the pandemic has impacted our habits including how frequently we use our cars so therefore what was the impact on the business that sells cars how did the youngest Hendy generation respond to COVID-19? And how did Paul, at the helm of the business, keep looking forward in times of adversity?
3: How do you feel that that's been a game changer for, for the business? Have you seen anything different that's come out of it that you hadn't expected?
1: Uh, that's a really good question because, you know, yesterday was, was the anniversary of, of closing the businesses and we had a board meeting purely coincidentally. Uh, yesterday with our operational board and it, it just felt like the full circle had almost been completed from the day the previous year mm. uh, when we'd driven off and had closed the dealerships. All the used cars were off the forecourts and that drive home was was tough Yeah, mm. because nobody knew just how deep that abyss was that we were looking at and people with the benefit of hindsight now can say, yeah, well, we thought we'd do this, that and the other. Let me tell you, when you drove home that night, you were not thinking that. So that's the really honest truth is mm. nobody, but nobody knew where this was going to go. In our lifetimes, nobody had had the experience of a global pandemic, and it was probably the most significant thing in the company's history since the Second World War period, end of. But I think the way that the, the operational directors and, and their teams all stepped up and showed the resilience Passion and drive to firstly ensure that the company survived and then how we then had to adapt to a new way of working, to completely embrace uh, online. You know, we moved in 10 months where we probably would have moved in 10 years. Yes. And that speed required just relentless focus, dedication, and pursuit of of the tasks in hand, and there were plenty of them, Mm. to deliver it. And not one single person said, no, we can't do this. It was all about how, how and when are we going to get it done. And I just think the way that the team stepped up, embraced it. And, and we did yesterday, you know, to say we had a celebration yesterday would be too strong. But we just, I asked each member of the team to say, you know, what, what will you be celebrating? Where is it with each other? And it was it was all about the people. And that sounds all very sort of, you know, emotional or what have I, you.
3: I, I think that is that is a trend and a theme that's running through everything mm. and not just the business environment. It's mm. regrouped back to the people that make things happen totally, and their passion, their dedication and the camaraderie that's needed to, to buoy each other up because yeah. we've all had our humps in the road in the last year. Yeah. So to work in a, an environment where you're supported and given the opportunity to grow and learn new things very quickly – Mm -hmm. You know, it it, uh, separates the the men from the boys. Absolutely. I mean, we
1: were in a firefight. You know, we were in an absolute firefight. Uh, I can recall, you know, this day last year, team schools of eight to ten hours a day, seven days a week to chew off all the things that were on our agenda uh, was relentless, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? And, you know, that that was, it was very difficult. As I say, at the time, you didn't know where the business was going to go. Nobody had really understood by that stage the government, Assistance and mm. measures mm. that they mm. were putting in, and, and boy, wow. I mean, and then of yeah. course, that started to change the landscape. So, from a business perspective, you start to think, okay, this is you could have a bit more confidence. Uh, and now, you know, where's this virus going to go and how much longer is it going to be? And here we are, 12 months on. I mean, gosh, who saw that? I who saw know. that? But we
0: thought two weeks, Boris, they I will know. turn the tide. And, 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 two and, that weeks felt, and that
1: felt huge. Yeah. yeah. So, it's so really interesting, isn't it? For, for Will to experience that in at the start of his career and yes. to have learned just what can be done and the power yes. of, of your of your team yes. and your people and the resilience mm. of mm. how much they care mm. and hopefully we have, have demonstrated that back to the team how much we we care that mm. they've made the family business survive yes and dare I say set continue to thrive yes. so
3: and give mm. an opportunity to to find new wings oh. you know you know I think i've I've often thought in the last year because layla still been living under my roof for the last year, living through this together. It's almost like she's done a business degree in one year, mm-hmm. a very hands-on, real, live mm-hmm. example of how to think on your feet, make good, quick decisions, mm-hmm. look after the team, be intuitive about what they're feeling because you can't even see them. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's been a heck of a journey and I think you're right. I think Will's probably had the best baptism of fire <laughs> in uh, in business mm. and everything should be up from that one fingers, fingers crossed.
0: That was going to be my question to you Will, was, you know, how has the last year been for you because I know this time well probably this time last year 2 weeks prior we went you took us out to um we went out for an outside meeting funnily enough before we even knew outside meetings would have to be a thing i was always a fan of outside meetings yeah that's true (laughs) went outside and we talked about you know if this all goes horribly wrong if the worst happens which we've now seen what do we do you know what clients Mm -hmm. are the most at risk how do we respond what's our game plan and i sat there thinking we've been going for 25 years like it'll be fine. Like, I'm sure it'll be, you know, sat there kind of thinking this is so dramatic. Mm. And then I remember we all went working from home and I was kind of a bit like, yeah, well, team safety is important. And then clients started feeling nervous. And I do remember there was one day, it would have been possibly maybe like a week after we went into lockdown. Oh no, it would have been the week before we went into lockdown because we could still go and see other people, but we'd gone from working from home and it was really starting to hit. And clients were getting nervous. And I do remember going um, to my boyfriend's house and sitting with his family. And I was just sat there like in complete shock as to what we could stop. was starting to see. And I was so scared. I felt real fear mm. of, I'm now involved in the business. I feel huge pride of it. I really care for it. And I actually now also have the ability to either help bring us through this or I will watch it fall. Mm. And it was really scary. And... You know, then then as you say, Paul, the furlough scheme was announced and you started to see that, it, you know, there were ways to see it through. But I was really naive at the beginning. But mm-hmm. now I look back and I'm was so pleased I've been in the business long enough to understand it to such a depth that I could actually help. Yeah. And, you know, we've got we're coming to the end of our financial year and thinking, actually, if someone had told us a year ago, this is mm-hmm. where we'd be looking, we would have been happy.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
0: yeah. So, you know, how, how has it been for you? What did you have any moments of, oh God.
2: <laughs> I found the start of it quite stressful. Mm. Um, I think that was when dad was saying that the showrooms were shut and he was at home on team schools all day. He was obviously very stressed and I kind of was and I'd become a live chat agent overnight. So I'd stop the marketing marketing side and become into that role just to help out really as, yeah. as we needed to. And for the first couple of months it was quite stressful because nobody had any idea what was going on and the, the first three-week lockdown got extended into mm. however long. Mm. Mm. But I felt quite fortunate because as of July, I started in my new role. So I've had a really good opportunity to separate work and home because I've been in the office every day, Okay, which Mm. for me has massively helped because I don't don't know how my sister has worked from home since then. Mm. I I can't do it. Mm. For me, I find that I can't separate my day at all.
3: Mm. I think that self-awareness early on in your careers is really valuable to Mm. be able to know what works for you and what doesn't because Mm. a lot of people push through. And then it's likely that you turn around in a few years and go, do you know what, I'm really unhappy. But actually you didn't fix it as you went along. Mm
0: -hmm. And I can see in your business as well, you know, if our our business is quite desk-based anyway, but if ours wasn't and actually the core of the business was selling cars, I'd probably get quite frustrated at, you know, my intuition to how can I help us come through the pandemic? Well, get out and sell cars. Mm. So, you know, to be able to just get back out and do the Mm. core thing, that you can do and you know how to do, you know, I would, I personally would be like, well, if I can't do anything else, the best I can do is shift some cars mm-hmm. to help us see us through.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, with the workshops were open, obviously looking after key workers. So you've, you've got, uh, I don't know, three or four workshops that you had to, you know, with all the technicians in there and the parts operations. So again, we've got quite a lot going on in, in lots of areas that we wanted to make sure could be sustained and even though the showrooms are closed at the moment we're still going to sell this month six or seven thousand cars online mm. so amazing it, the way that we had to adapt mm. And, mm.
3: and and how do you see that evolve i mean obviously you've now got that established route to market mm-hmm. will you continue that as obviously as much as the the showrooms are valuable yeah absolutely showcases uh, ab- absolutely
1: people? so now it's, it's getting that blended approach of mm. doing as many online as the customers wish to, and we've mm. now got the ability to do that. Yes. And, of course, those customers that would prefer to come into the dealership and so on, clearly mm. from April the 12th, we'll be looking forward and, to welcoming. And I'm
3: sure in. there's a lot of people who aren't spending on the family holiday as they were planning or usually do, so yeah. perhaps that, that fund is apportioned elsewhere into a nice mm. new family vehicle or whatever. Oh, so we, we saw an
1: amazing bounce back in. In, in the second half of last year mm. before the lockdown in november
4: mm-hmm.
1: a significant bounce back so um yeah we're anticipating mm. a significant bounce back now as i say in april mm-hmm. allied to the fact that we can do online so we're actually feeling you know really really good about 2021 and uh, where where we can continue to take it, aren't we?
3: And I think you're right. I think it's a good moment a year on to kind of review the past year and the journey emotionally because it was an emotional journey. I think all of a sudden we felt really uh, protective over our businesses again. You know, mm-hmm. the day-to-day is always difficult and hard work, but this was a whole new game. And it, I think as business leaders, you kind of reposition how you feel about the business a little bit when it's like having a child that's mm. sick, isn't it? You're mm. like, right, I have to be on duty. This is, you know, this yeah. is, I have to step mm. up and find everything mm. in me that I've got. Yeah. So you've continued to acquire through the pandemic, which uh, is quite yeah. a feat as well as <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as keeping the, the wolves at bay, as it were.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a bit, that was, yeah, I think my wife thinks I'm mad, but there you go. No, it was, <laughs> um, you've got to see beyond the pandemic. Yeah. You've got to see... A route out, and and whether that's the pandemic or your business where it's going to go. So any acquisition is always a long term thought. And um, i I'd, I'd been speaking to the chief executive of the target prior to lockdown, and we agreed that whilst you know, it was a great business fit for us, JLR Jago Land Rover Southampton was a great business fit for us with franchises we'd already got right in the in the heart of our. Mm. Home territory of Southampton, where the company started, so it, 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 absolutely perfect all round. But then we agreed, obviously, as we came into March, as COVID was was really gathering a pace. That you know, let's down tools on the conversation for a moment because we all had to concentrate absolutely one hundred percent on the day job. And and as things became a little clearer during the summer, we picked it up again the conversation. And yeah, you know, it, it probably took I don't know, maybe four or five months to get going again and and completion, which was mid-December, and then we closed it <laughs> in that lockdown about two weeks later. So, Gosh, yes. um, yeah, not for the faint-hearted, but you've got to see beyond that. Yes. And mm-hmm. here we are now in the businesses. It, whilst the showroom and the forecourt mm-hmm. is closed, the workshops are open, all to take is strong. Mm-hmm. Fantastic team, great work ethic, great attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, the team there in Southampton, Jaguar Land Rover in or forego when we can open mm-hmm. the showrooms. And, yeah, so it was – unusual
3: i think that is quite a nice example of and i've heard this you know with the other family businesses that you know that w- we work with and talk to anecdotally over the the meeting tables that when in a family business you tend not to look like a lot of startups or n- newer privately owned uh, or corporate businesses, they tend to look sort of right at the end of your nose, you know, right what's immediately in front of you. Whereas with a family business, you take a much longer view, yeah, yeah. and you're always looking down the line. And so it makes your decisions much more measured yeah. and less reactive and immediate, um, and maybe less panicked because you're you've got that length and legacy behind mm. you and and the history of, of wartime and mm-hmm. and, the, and presumably that was the last time that the showrooms were closed, yep. I imagine.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
3: So I think that's probably in your DNA that you you don't just think about here and mm. you obviously had a very good team looking at the immediate mm. and carrying that on whilst you could keep going down the long game. And Totally. That's a great example of learning for Will to watch and observe yeah, that acumen, uh, to not be afraid of keep pushing the boundaries mm. despite... The challenging moment so
1: yeah yeah it yeah. kept me busy that one didn't it it did it was probably a
3: good <laughs> thing actually it was probably a really nice positive distraction away from the uh, the
1: day-to-day at the time well the easiest thing to do would have been to have walked away from the opportunity yeah mm. and I knew deep down I'd look back on that in a year's time or two years time if, if it had gone to somewhere else and you'd really be kicking yourself yeah so mm. with that in mind it's a case of how are we going to get it done then yes yeah. mm. which was interesting and challenging but we got through it, got it done and can't wait until we can all be around that business in a, in a uh, you know, at the moment with all the restrictions mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. internally where we're not overly encouraging too much travel between the dealerships yes. for all yes. the right reasons and yes. all of that good stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, Teams has been great, hasn't it? But yes. you, you cannot beat human face-to-face. interaction, yep. getting on site, yep. being with a team. So... Yeah, it's a great business and, you know, again, just shows that when the opportunity is there and it's right, we'll, we'll do everything we mm-hmm. can to go after it and and go and get it.
0: Will is progressing his career in a very historic business. He's been with Hendy Group for five years already and we were keen to hear what the next five might look like and beyond. Yeah.
3: Have you already had thoughts, Will, about what you could potentially do with it later on down the line?
2: Not with that specific dealership, no. Um, I think... The furthest I've got to where I might be in the next five years, I think for me, that's enough to think about at the moment. Yeah. And that kind of encompasses really embracing my current role, mm-hmm. that role potentially growing in the region. And then from there, I haven't really thought about it, mm. if I'm honest. There's no right or wrong, I no, suppose. Um, absolutely not. And I, I don't want to limit myself to a certain path. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm. And maybe I'll go and do something drastically different. Uh, or I, I don't know what it could be. Yes, I don't know what it could be. But for me, the next five years is about really understanding what I'm doing now and growing that.
3: And Salisbury's an interesting environment mm. to play with, isn't it? Commercially mm. and mm. with the challenges they've had in recent years for one mm. drama or another. Yeah. A nice challenging environment and location to sort of take forward. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's,
2: it's quite an interesting demographic up there. Cause yes. You've got a lot of military families you've got a lot of farmland we've got sort of older generations living there so I mean it's vastly different to where we are now in Bournemouth yes and, and that's where I used to be based so from that point of view it's been really interesting sort yes. of understanding yes. how it differs
4: mm.
0: and five years in how has your relationship with the business evolved are you starting to feel more of that sense of ownership or you know is it still you know do you feel ownership for what you do but your kind of your ownership for the whole thing is growing uh
2: A little bit of both, really. I feel ownership of the dealerships that I look after. Five years ago, I never had that. So I've got that responsibility of 35, 40 colleagues at work there and the four brands. Whereas previously, I just worked on campaigns for various brands. So for me now, it's very different. Mm. So I do feel ownership for that and a lot of responsibility. And like what we've been talking about with COVID and everything, making sure everybody's on site is comfortable with what they're doing. So from my sense, it's kind of a little microcosm of the business. Mm-hmm. Dad's doing it on a ginormous scale and I'm helping where I can on my little side. So.
0: <laughs> One of the um Holdenwood House who we interviewed in the uh, previous episodes, they talk about stewardship and I mm-hmm. really relate to that because I remember you went away on holiday. You took six weeks off or something over the summer when I'd been in the business for a couple of years. And that was a real turning point for me when she wasn't in. So, you know, the leader of the business was out and yet, you know, the business was being managed really well. Everyone was taking, getting things done. There was actually no operational change, but I felt the kind of whole of the, the steward Mm. who was looking over the business. And I kind of felt myself morphing into that. I'm not going to change how I do anything, but I did kind of just have one eye on how things were going, how things were being dealt with. And that moment really made me think, actually, my connection to this business is far stronger than I'd ever really anticipated.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had Similar to that, December last year, my direct report, Richard, he went away for, he managed to get away for three weeks over Christmas. I mean, lucky him, he did not shut <laughs> up about it because nobody else managed to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you, I lost that direct report. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was then purely the only person there responsible. Um, great learning experience mm-hmm. and you're right, you've got to do it your own way but just taking all the knowledge that you've got elsewhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it is, it's those moments that make you think, make you realize, I think how connected you are and how much you feel for the business. You know, Liz has always talked about it being a third child. And that's when I thought, Oh yeah, this business is like a sibling for me. You know, it is yeah. like a, a third sibling. Oh no. No. Yeah. Second sibling. So a second sibling.
4: I got really good. <laughs> we only have one
0: only brother have that one brother. I know. have brother. Yeah, that was weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and actually that was a huge turning moment. And I think for me and my commitment to the business, that was a big moment because I realised there's if this is the direction I want to go in, there's not just, you know, like you were saying, the trade to learn. Mm. There's all the business stuff, which is actually a lot more scary, I think, than learning the trade because it's the core of survival. Hmm. Paul, have you ever felt like
3: myself at times with Will, this young man, so many opportunities, and our, our world is so different to when we were this age? You know, tech has evolved so much. I have had moments where I've thought, well, Layla's so capable. The world is her oyster. She could travel anywhere, work anywhere. You know, is this fair to, to channel? And, and I'd like to think that I've never pushed and persuaded no. Layla to go into the business. Um, it's been very much her decision, but I, I have felt at times, and I've said to her, you know, do you not want to be in the bright lights and be part mm. of a big corporate experience or at least have that experience and then maybe come back? And she says no, but, you know, have you ever felt like that, that, you know, maybe they should fly the nest for a bit and yeah. then and I mean, then I, come I back?
1: Will mentioned that he had a year away abroad in Canada and America and Australia and New Zealand a year working in dealerships out there with some friends we've got uh, over there uh, which is i did that in 19 in the 1990s i went away for a year myself with a a pal and we did the same sort of thing so i think he's had a taste of which is hugely important to not just have your own learnings Mm. from within your own company Mm. so you go and experience that and see how the same trade motor trade but different countries, mm-hmm. so where they are in terms of technology and took a lot of learnings from America on that. You particularly enjoyed your time in Canada, didn't you? I know. And and, and it's not to say he can't go and do it again.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he is in that privileged position where if that were the case where he said, actually, I wouldn't mind a three-year stint in Canada, it could probably be arranged if that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. So, again, it's back to what 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 he wants to do, to be happy. Mm. If he suddenly turned around and said, you know, I, I want to leave the company and go and do something else. I'd obviously be sad about that because, yeah. you know, it's great to have him in the company, but it's yeah. what he wants to do. Yeah. But if if he did want to say, as, as you know, go back to the States or wherever, we can arrange it, can't we? Yeah. You
2: know. Yeah, no, that's a, re- a really valuable year mm. as well as it being great fun because you're obviously traveling around, seeing new places yeah. from an experience point of view. Mm. just. Some of the businesses we worked at were on a massively different scale.
4: Mm.
2: Some of the other businesses, when I worked in them, it kind of made us realise what we were doing at Endy was quite a good job. Mm. Our, everywhere we went, though, we learned bits and yeah. tried to bring it back and still there are good ideas because why not?
4: Yeah,
3: mm. absolutely. There's no point, you know, yeah, exactly. reinventing the wheel, is there? No. no. What a great opportunity and, and how liberating for you to feel that that opportunity is still there again, mm. yeah. that you're not constrained to where you are. But you, d- you did a
4: degree
1: last, was it
4: last
2: year? You did? Yeah, so I got well, the chance working to do that at the same as well. time, which was great. Wasn't it? In, in marketing, was in now not working in marketing, but no. <laughs> still valuable.
3: I was going to ask about qualifications and, and yeah. sort of training. So I did a, a year-long
2: yeah. CIM course, Chartered Institute of Marketing, which was fantastic. I learned plenty from mostly from the customer's point of view and that whole experience and the digital piece, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously very very relevant to now. Mm. To finish that uh, half a year ago, maybe, which again came with its own challenges because we moved from learning physically to Mm. all online and just as I'd started as a new job. So I was very glad when that was done and over Mm. (laughs) and out the way. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I'm doing one literally right now with the Chartered Institute of PR, which is diploma Uh, level. And my second assignment is due on Friday. Mm. And I am really enjoying it, but also will be glad when I've done this, got the certificate. They have
1: started it yet. uh,
0: Yes, that started the assignment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's fine. But but 72 hours ago,
1: Will wouldn't have started. Oh,
0: no. (laughs) I started it about four weeks ago.
1: No, no, no. No, Not not before.
0: before. before. I just couldn't
4: do
1: that. I'm a night before person.
0: I just couldn't do that. She hasn't taken after me on that score. I've never done that. But equally now, I couldn't do that with working. Like, you know, I've still had to finish work, have dinner, then start on that. But the thought of... Having to cram it, I'd be literally I'd be like work 9 to 5.30 and then mm. assignment 5.30 till 9 if I left it that late. <laughs> and, yeah, then that wouldn't be good. But um, no, I have started it and I passed the first one. So that's good. I've got, you know, got my mm. confidence from that. But yeah, it's good. It's nice doing formal qualifications to mm-hmm. actually learn the theory behind what you're doing.
3: Um, yeah, because I think you learn a lot organically, mm-hmm. but you don't really know why you know it and mm-hmm. why you need to know it. Mm. so Layla's line manager our account director rightly suggested this course for Layla Mm. which I hadn't thought about and actually is absolutely great a great solution to give you the best some technical Mm. foundation uh, to help what you organically know
0: yeah Mm. well and we're recruiting for an apprentice PR apprentice to go through the apprenticeship scheme because you know I didn't go to uni and I think it's learning on the job is really valuable and Mm. the fact that now you can do Learning on the job and formal training at the same time is brilliant, and I'd be a huge advocate for doing that. I would love to see more people join our industry through um, apprenticeships mm. because I just think it's a brilliant route mm. to your career.
1: Absolutely, a <laughs> lot, of, lot of work on top of your job, yeah. Mind, yeah. Uh, yeah, which you cope with. I was really proud of our well Will cope with that as well. It didn't compromise his day job, mm. but it meant Evenings or yeah. stuff at weekends, so fair play. Yes, yes.
3: which which demonstrates passion yeah. really mm. for for the business, which is great. So you know the future. What what does I mean? Obviously, you are looking at the next five years and your immediate role and how you can evolve that. Uh, I'd
2: quite like the showrooms to reopen. and yeah, yeah. be able I'm to go sure. to the pub. But, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, play golf. Play, play golf. Yeah, next week. Quite looking forward to that. Oh um, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of just see see what mm. happens. I think. COVID, we need to get out of that first Mm -hmm. and get past all of these deadlines that have been set or initial dates. And then just hope that the business really flourishes after Mm -hmm. that. And we've Mm -hmm. said that we're hopeful that there's going to be a bit of a boom afterwards. And like we had last year, fingers crossed we see that and sort of go from there really and into the rest of the year in 2022.
3: And then do your siblings sort of have the same sort of feel for the business? Do you talk about it? Um, yeah, your, so I mean, um, my sister's yourselves?
2: really passionate about it. She sometimes comes home and won't shut up talking about it. And we're mm-hmm. like, bloody we've been at work all day as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe that's
0: a girl thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely the same. Yes.
2: Um, but no, it's it's great to see. And my brother, who mm. he spent maybe a year? Working in performance, and yeah. he'll be the first of us to actually go to university. Okay, later in the year, yep. which I you know he's looking forward to. Mm. So yeah, we'll, we'll all kind of go from there. And,
3: and and you get on, you enjoy each other's company, sort of as people and, yeah, and siblings as well we as, as work colleagues. Yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> as we, as I was saying earlier, we don't tend to mix too much. which distance helps and for us you. works really well. Yes. In um, the
0: future, if you were to work closer together, how do you think that would feel?
2: Hopefully we wouldn't be living all together. We wouldn't all be living together <laughs> yeah, as well. That would be... It's the tw- I think for me it's the 24/7 side of it would be very full on. Oh, especially um, at the moment, yeah, Not anti working with them at all and for me that would be something completely new like it mm. would be if I was working with you on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Not anti it, just never experienced it. Mm. Mm.
3: Never say never.
2: Never say never.
0: <laughs> and what about the next 5 years for you Paul?
1: Well, there's lots of opportunity that we're looking at. We've got other Businesses that we, I'm being very careful what I say. Yeah. I? <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's obviously things on uh, the industry that we are in uh, is consolidating quickly and rapidly as ever. There's plenty of change going on with legislation, electrification for us. You know is a big item that we have to navigate our way through, but you will see a continued consolidation of dealers having larger market areas and territories, uh, being encouraged by the brands to do that because they want to deal with less people. So scale is crucial, hence why we've scaled up and started scaling up three to five years ago, and that won't be for everybody because there will be people post-COVID who don't have any succession, who've had a tough 12 months, Mm -hmm. who will now be thinking – Okay, we got through that. Mm. Do Mm. I want to carry on doing 60 hours a week Mm. or is it now my time where I find some time for myself Mm -hmm. and and look to sell my business? And uh, So I'm obviously in conversations with various people on that. Mm. So we'll still be continuing to grow, but absolutely it'll be measured and paced. The first thing is uh, for the balance of this year is to absolutely knuckle down We've integrated uh, Westover now, we've integrated Jaguar Land Rover, Southampton in the last three or four months, get the showrooms open and absolutely go and lay down a result that we so richly deserve after the last couple of years. And all the indicators are that we're going to have a fantastic year. So that's great. 2022, 23, 24, you know, there's a few other things that we'll be looking at.
4: Um,
3: Bikes and apparel. (laughs) <laughs> Going back yeah, to your roots,
1: full well, circle. We we, we <laughs> might do. You know, if, um, yeah, yeah. Never say never. They're
3: also booming.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. Mobility is what we are. Yes, at. and you know, go way back to when we sold push bikes. Mobility is is where it's at. And, yeah. and who knows what that mobility will look like? Fortunately for us at the moment, you know, passenger car is still mm-hmm. crucial. And in fact, people who don't want to get on public transport or won't mm. fly, yeah. um, are looking for cars. But in the commercial vehicle. Uh, arena where we are very heavily invested I'm delighted to say because commercial vehicles is is having an absolute boom time of it mm, because yeah. of home delivery yes or last mile delivery into city centers is going to be the next thing you know yeah. and all these sort of things so we do try and, and and think about that plan for it as best we can so I still think the next 5 years we'll see significant amount of change uh, we will continue to grow where appropriate and you know I've still got a bit of energy left, I think, so
3: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think there's plenty more to come, yeah, yeah I can yeah, see I the plan uh, on doing, I can you, see you, the you fire in your in eyes
1: your <laughs> 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 right. yeah, but no, it'd be great, you know with will he's where he is at, and, and he's got two or three dealerships coming his way in the Salisbury region, so that's that's a big thing to run, mm. more than one location, so mm. there's two, three, four locations that will will look after that cover about eight franchises. Yeah. so that dynamic of working with eight OEMs. Mm. You know, sixty or seventy colleagues in three or four locations is a real fantastic mm. microcosm of the group for Will to continue his growth and education. Specifically, Will. You know, his, his sister and brother have got their thing going. You know, and so has his my niece. So it's it's fantastic yeah. to watch.
3: Yeah, very rewarding. It is.
1: It is. It's, I don't. I don't think I ever thought it would be quite so rewarding to see that to see them grow. Mm. I think the thing that I'm I'm really proud of with all of them is is the level of respect uh, and how they communicate with their colleagues in the company is is genuine and heartfelt Yes, and there's no sense of entitlement. Yes. And that's exactly how it should be. You know, respect the hard work that people do for us totally and help celebrate with them the great work that they do Mm -hmm. because without them, you know, don't have a business. Well, we don't no, have a business. Absolutely and, and boy, right. have we learned that in the last 12 months. Mm, yes, know? for sure. Mm.
0: So when you think of cars, you think of hendy. But I'd like to know what the Hendys think when it comes to cars. So what are your each of your favourite or dream cars? If you could literally pick a car off the shelf today, <clears> no money, money's no object, what would it be?
1: Well, we have an expression that cars keep us, we don't keep cars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you think about that. We're in the business of selling cars, but we do have a few in our collection, don't we? But so we have kept a few along the way. I'll let you answer that one first because he'll probably have a have one on the tip of his tongue. Yeah, I do. Bentley yeah.
2: Continental. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay, nothing we sell, but <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: that's
3: interesting, isn't it? That y- your desire is something that you don't sell, or maybe a well, ben- that's a Bentley dealership coming when are we up. You're going to get a Bentley
2: franchise. <yeah. laughs> We're quite fortunate though because we, we do jump in and out of cars all the
1: time. Mm-hmm. Um, Occupational hazard. Yeah.
2: So it's quite hard to say because we, uh, we don't stick with cars for a long time because the point is you sell them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody builds a bad car anymore.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We're being, we're being a bit non committal here, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I'm very lucky that I, I get to drive some great cars already and that without sounding. Which the business uh, we're in are there
3: any any archive cars from past generations yeah, well, that have got, been kept in the garage? We've got an eighteen ninety
1: eight Benz. Oh, that's one owner us.
3: Oh um, wow,
1: it's one of the oldest cars in the world. Uh, we've got some Model Ts as you'd expect. So we've got a collection of without sounding too grand, but we do have some. Well, I'd kind we of decided, expect
3: you to have some in there. Yeah, your...
1: We do. We do have some. We decided to keep. Yeah, yeah. So, um,
3: special.
0: Yeah, well, it's like you know. I'm sure Hall and Woodhouse have beers from the years, Mm. years and years gone by. They've kept in the archives. It's kind of like, well, just because you sell cars doesn't mean you shouldn't have your own type of archive.
3: Yeah, no. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, you'll have to release some photos of those. There must be some. Yeah, we've got. We've. we've I'd love to try and find some. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Yeah, I think I think people are really interested in the historical evolution of businesses. I think there's so much sort of nostalgia that we don't often celebrate and we get on with the day job and it's all about today yeah. and tomorrow. But our history maps us and it's great that you've kept a couple of treasures along the way.
1: Yeah. Our grand, my grandfather, great grandfather, was, was great friends with Lord Montague. Oh, and yes. when they originally started the, the, the Motor Museum in Bewley, was in the palace house in the grounds and he had four cars, one of which was our Benz. So there's a picture in the in the palace house there of that. So that's you know again, it's nice to have that history. Isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely. Amazing. And uh, yeah, we've got a few. We try not to keep too many because we're in the business of selling. Selling, <laughs> yeah, um. it
3: doesn't
4: feel right to keep <laughs> yeah. <them. laughs> yeah.
3: Um, for the listeners, are there any car models coming to the market that you're particularly excited about? That's doing impressive things, maybe in the the green, the green side of uh, electric vehicles?
2: Short answer, yes. I think every brand's sort of being forced down the electrification route. So they've all got stuff coming. I'd have to have a little dig into what model by model there is. Mm. But everybody's going that way. And there is some really exciting stuff.
4: Mm.
2: A lot of what we're seeing is brand new models that are electric. They're not Models that exist at the moment that are going to have an electric engine put in Mm. them—they're entirely different. They're starting from Mm. scratch. Yeah, and there is some really, really exciting stuff
1: coming. Yeah, just trying to think of ones off the top of my head. I I don't think there is one I'd cite in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because across twenty odd brands that we represent Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. in the in the car space, every every franchise um, is is if they haven't already is up in their game. New product is coming thick and fast. Mm. Most of it. Uh, electric, but there are still some, you know, combustion engine vehicles that are coming that are hugely exciting. So, f- so for us, even though we're, I've been in the business thirty years, you know, well for five years, the, the pace of change of product these days and the amount of new product coming at us is is unbelievable, unprecedented, and that for us still makes it incredibly exciting. Yeah, I bet and it's a whole
3: new era of uh, of development of the vehicle isn't and,
1: it and you know we still get the thrill of the joy of new mm. and love seeing the customers take their new mm. cars away or their used car new used car it's the best yeah. bit of the job yeah it is it genuinely it is. is i mean that we we really feel that
2: yeah it? i mean we had that uh, two three days ago uh, up in souls where a guy picked up his new toyota yaris gr which is this little pocket rocket of a car and was <laughs> their rally car that they've turned into a road car and it's mental, and this guy's walked out as if he's an eight-year-old kid. Yeah. It's fantastic, just can't oh, lovely, get the smile he's really his face. And like, yeah, it's brilliant to see. That's yeah. the best bit of the job, mm. you
4: know.
3: Yeah, yeah. So. fueling people's passions. Yeah, and absolutely.
2: Yeah,
4: mm.
3: seeing yeah. their dreams come true That's fun. Yeah,
0: mm. we're on episode five now. So, if you've been following the series, you'll be used to hearing this next part of the interview. At the end of each episode, we ask each guest the same questions. Here's how Will and Paul responded. So yeah, at the end of every interview, we ask every guest the same three questions. Okay. So if you could each answer them individually, and then we will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the first one is, what is your earliest memory of the family business?
2: My earliest memory will be going into your office on a Saturday and playing around with stuff in there that, Making a mess. Yeah, pretty much. Ignoring you. with I've, I had no idea why we were in there, what we were doing. Just me moving stuff. and ugh, Where was that? That would have been at School Lane where your office is now. No, no? Southampton. Wasn't it? Southampton. See, that long ago, I can't yeah. even remember the place of it. I just <laughs> sure remember road. going in there and really annoying
1: road. you for the whole morning. Yeah. Not, <laughs> oh. Funny enough, mine's the same. We would be <laughs> going into my father's office in Boscombe, uh, Palmerston Road, well, we had a dealership there. It's not there anymore these days, but that would have been in the 1960s, 70s on a Saturday morning and opening the post and delivering it probably to the wrong place. But <laughs> um, That was my job. And like Will, I didn't get paid for that morning's work either. No. So. so can you remember
3: how old you were, Will?
2: Six or seven, maybe? Hmm. Yeah. Similar sort of age. Yeah, yeah. Isn't
3: that funny how you've both got the same yeah. memory of your first sort of taste of the business?
2: It would been really exciting. That was like, oh, we get to go into Dad's office for the day. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to come in there now, No, no. no.
4: <laughs> that never, probably never means a something reason. a bit yeah, worse. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Dad's calling you into <laughs> yeah. the office. Oh,
0: <laughs> God.
3: So next question. Is there anything you'd do differently next time? If you had your time again in the business? obviously will it's early days for you but you've probably felt and experienced something that actually if we'd done it this way that might have been a better outcome
2: uh, f- from my point of view I guess no I wouldn't do anything different I've never been involved in the high level strategic stuff as I said earlier so maybe from dad's point of view you can. Oh, I've missed an opportunity there or we I shouldn't have gone for this opportunity whatever it may be but for me no because I think learning from mistakes is quite important
4: Definitely,
2: um, mm-hmm. I haven't made anything drastically wrong yet, but you never know.
1: God, that's a tough question. Yes. Um, I'm not. I'm not somebody who sort of dwells too much on mm-hmm. and has too many regrets because it's all about what's next and mm-hmm. go and stuff. So, made made plenty of mistakes, plenty of them. Just try not to make them again. That was sort that's of. That's the trick, isn't it? Yeah, learn from um, them. You know because. You, 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 do. You are going to.
3: A lot of business people have a fear of of failure and yeah. mistake making yeah. that stops them being taking risks. Yep. And yep. I think that's something that you know it, it should be more of an open discussion yeah. around how falling sometimes helps you shape it for the next one time. Absolutely. You just have to dust yourself off and I'll not say, get down say about learn, it. You
1: know, as I said earlier, yeah. we're, we're not we're not risk averse. We are mm. risk aware. Hmm. Mm. And yeah, made some mistakes, but nothing, nothing that stopped me getting up the next day and carrying uh, on, getting on. Mm.
3: And I guess having a good team around you is that That's it. plugs the gaps yeah, people, that perhaps you you know, may have made a wrong call and and you've obviously got a great relationship with your team that can challenge you to go, mm, yeah. I'm not sure that's the right direction to go yeah. in. So hopefully collectively you go on the right
4: path. Yeah,
1: and I've said this to Will many a time, It's it's the, the crucial piece is, is who you get around you, your yeah. support network, mm. the team that you create and manage to motivate is absolutely crucial. Yeah. Mm. It's not about us. It's not about us. So it's about that team being the best in the business understanding our values and, and everything uh, that we stand for and executing it and delivering it. That's mm-hmm. what it's about.
0: And the final question is, having worked in a family organisation, what would your top tip be for any business leader?
2: I think, to go back to your point earlier, how nimble it leaves us, I think it just as we were saying that you can move on your feet so quickly and we're not stuck having to to go speak to mm-hmm. X, Y and Z about a decision we want to make I'd also coincide that with well we kind of pride ourselves on being a family business and not just us as a family other people that work within the business their families too mm. I've got a guy I work with in Salisbury his son works there his brother works up the road and I think from that point of view is it's not just our family it's your family as well mm. and I think that provides a really really good work environment
3: mm. Yeah, that's a really lovely ethos, actually, that you're encouraging your team's families to join the business. So mm-hmm. it's like a big extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said it before on this on this recording that you know I've I've always tried to treat my team as extended family. I'd like to treat them as I would if they were my own, mm-hmm. um, and mutual respect hopefully comes from that. So and yeah. that
0: is something any business leader can implement Definitely. is if you view your teams as your extended family. You can almost, in a sense, generate that culture by doing so, by taking that approach to leadership mm. um, over any of this, you know, other leadership advice that mm. there's loads of. And some of it's absolute rubbish, mm-hmm. you know, actually just being a nice person. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think showing that we care and the family care and we're seen within the business. Um, mm. It's not like we're off in some distant place and it's left to be run by somebody else. Mm. We all want to be involved with it, and I, I kind of hope that that shows to other people that they want to be involved with
1: it too.
3: Mm. Sounds mm. like it bodes well for the mm. future. I think you've done your job, Paul. I
1: hope so. Uh, <laughs> it's I all think... sounding good to me. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it's about being authentic, being consistent, working hard, mm. respecting others, and I think people genuinely, if they feel that, in a, and we, you talk about culture, we absolutely have a very strong set of values. That we discuss as part of our decision making, and you know, I think after five generations, number six is here. It's 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 just people knowing that about what we stand for, yeah, where our moral compass is, mm. and people and, and and look, we've seen it in the last twelve months where, where we ask people to go over above and beyond, and there was no question that they do that, and and I think for you know, that's been so heartwarming, that we will work even harder now to provide for them the opportunities they want for the future so that they I, – I say I don't want them to have a job, I want them to have a career. And we can provide that and given the way that they've worked for us in the last 12 months particularly, we'll do everything we can to, to make, that make that happen big time. Amazing. So we're just getting started Great after 160 years.
3: <laughs> so do you think the whole last year – has repositioned some aspects of your business in your mind, Paul.
1: Um, I think it's absolutely cemented for me the value of the team and the people. Absolutely, because you know, here we were. To, if we were doing this twelve months ago, today, we'd all be thinking, "Yeah, wow, yeah. where's this going?" Yeah. And we're not. We're, we're absolutely we're mm-hmm. we're we're in an even better place. We're a stronger, mm-hmm. leaner, fitter business. After this twelve months on. So as I say, we've only just got started after 160 years. It's quite frightening, isn't it? Where we're going to go? Amazing. Um, we are. We are. Silver gonna go. linings. We are going to go for it.
0: Mm. And that is, I think, a lovely place to conclude. Yeah. You know, I think that's brilliant. All that history, but we're just at the start. Mm. How exciting! That must be so exciting for you, Will.
2: Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. to See where it goes. Can't be wait part to of see.
3: Too.
0: Can't wait to see where it evolves. Mm. So well, yeah. good luck. Thank you. Yeah. thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us today. Albeit on very different scales, my mum and I could see many similarities between our family business and Paul and Wills. Values, the parent-child balance, approach to culture, and what really matters at the heart, the people. It just goes to show that you can be selling cars or selling stories to the media. A team of 15 or a team of 150. The DNA of a family business is strong and it can be hugely powerful in many different ways. We'd love to hear what you've taken from recent episodes of It Runs in the Family please get in touch via Instagram, Twitter or LinkedIn or head to lizlingpr.co.uk to chat on the phone or via email. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for a very exciting episode six.